Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Daily Objective. I'm Rucka. And of course, we have with us the last of the Greeks himself, the one and only Nikos Sotirakopoulos. And uh, we have a lot to discuss today. Nikos, how are you doing? I'm doing very fine. And today you almost pronounced my name rightly. So we're, we're up for a good start. So today we will talk about Israel and how Israel is depicted in, is presented in popular culture. So yesterday, Black Lives Matter UK, which is, by the way, a blue tick organization, so it's not like a random Twitter account. So they had a series of tweets about, uh, about the conflict between Israel and Palestine. At some point, they say something about Zionism, something, something, something. And a lot of people bring up the issue that uh, you're a bit racist here. And remember, this is a message or an organization sanctioned by every big business, the Premier League. Now they say, no, it's not that particular Black Lives Matter group, but I think, I think there's, there is some sanctioning there going, going on. So it looks like Israel is an easy target. So you can say something bad about Israel and that's not the end of your career or basically no one even cares. So before we start though, talking about anti-Semitism, which will be part of our discussion, we need to start by figuring something out. And that's a very difficult question. So I want your help here. When would we say that a critique of the state of Israel is legitimate in terms of it's not to be condemned as anti-Semitism? So for example, I can critique, you know, I, I can give a critique on the Yugoslav civil war. I might be wrong but I will not be, let's say, anti-Serb or anti-Bosnian Muslims, for example. So, and a lot of critics of Israel say, oh, whenever I criticize Israel, you throw me the anti-Semitism uh, label. So in your minds, what distinguishes a legitimate criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism? I mean, in my mind, I'm pretty uh, radically um, opposed to typically even calling anyone an anti-Semite or a racist, unless that's very clear. I think anti-Semitism is, is really a symptom. It's a symptom of more fundamental philosophical views. It's usually tied, linked with anti-capitalism, which is really linked to the rejection of reason, individualism, which is why Europe is where the Jews were persecuted the most, because they were the bankers, typically. And uh, the more capitalist America got, the more friendly it got and uh, open to, for the Jews to take refuge in America. So, um, and then the same is true with Israel. I think uh, it's no coincidence that the socialists like Black Lives Matter, you know, trademark. I'm not talking about anyone holding the sign, although many of them are very, you know, often left, um, which is why you don't really see a lot of signs saying, you know, don't smash people's businesses at these protests. <laughs> But, it, but that's not the discussion today. We're talking about what you said that Black Lives Matter UK tweeted out. We stand with our Palestinian brothers. And that's, uh, I mean, it was, it's always been on the BLM charter, to my knowledge, on their website. But it, it also shouldn't surprise anybody because these are not individualists. Um, and there's a lot more to say about that. But you only asked me, uh, when is criticism of Israel anti-Semitism? Look, typically, um, Israel, in my opinion, represents Western civilization, which means the world hates Israel, but also Israelis hate themselves, the intellectuals. And the defenders of Israel are a bigger problem, like kind of like how uh, Rand pointed out that capitalism's biggest problem 
are its alleged is its alleged defenders. Same is true with Israel, with America. People who defend Western countries on religious grounds, on ethnic, tribal grounds, utilitarian grounds, altruistic grounds, in other words, are fighting a losing battle. So I know I just said a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, people who are opposed to the West, they're opposed to capitalism, they're opposed to industry uh, to the extent that it's uh, capitalistically furthered and developed. They tend to see Israel as a problem. So the day that the world becomes pro-reason, pro-individualism, pro-capitalism, and pro-rational selfishness, miraculously, Israel will seem like a much more rational, reasonable player in the Middle East than its aggressors. So what you're saying then is that there is not really an anti-Semitist problem. There's mostly a problem of what Israel symbolizes, and that's at the root of the hatred. I see, yeah, I mean, I, to me, I see really hatred of the Jews as often a symptom of hatred of capitalism, of reason, of individualism. Um, that's how, right. I mean, that's my understanding of things. So like kind of Israel, but also again, it, it's, it's, it's hatred of what, of what made the West a place worth preserving. It's the Aristotelian influence, the individualism, the first-handed observational enlightenment take on reason that people have a problem with ultimately. Right. I will have two comments here. The one is a common answer to that, which the fact that it's common doesn't mean it's wrong. I'm just throwing it out there is mm -hmm. that if you criticize Israel using different standards from what you would use for other countries, then there's something suspicious there. So, for example, if you never critique other Middle East very very violent regimes, if you don't criticize, let's say, China, if you don't criticize counters that openly violate individual rights, but you criticize Israel quite often for things that are even, I would say, they're even inaccurate, that, that probably means that there's something wrong there. But I would also say that anti-Semitism is a very strong cultural factor, and I don't know if it has to do with Israel. Let me give you an example. I strongly remember the first time I became witness to uh, anti-Semitic anti sentiment in the popular culture. So it was around Easter time, I think it was Good Friday. And I was to the neighborhood's baker. I was like 10 years old, nine, nine years old. I was nine years old. And someone, I hear someone says there in the shop, someone says, well, the Jews put uh, Jesus Christ on the cross. And I was like, hmm, that's very sad. You know, why, why would they put the... But that person, in, and that was something very popular in Greece because it also comes from the religious sentiment. But here's the interesting thing. People who would have these prejudices would not be conscious anti-Semites. So let me give you another example. In 97, I went to a basketball game. Olympiakos was playing Maccabi. And the hatred towards the Maccabi fans, the traveling Maccabi fans, was horrendous. It included like uh, things about the Holocaust. Uh, you know, people were throwing them stuff. But again, if you talk to these people day by day, they wouldn't be the kind of people who are, I would say, con like the people who would say, oh, they control everything or other stuff. So there was like almost a cultural element of anti-Semitism, which is probably religious. Now, if you add to this the left-wing culture in Greece, if you add to this that Yasser Arafat was a popular hero, and a popular hero not on the far left, but also in the governing socialist party, so he would be the official guest of, uh, of their conference and stuff. So I think anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiment kind of 
are mixed together and they create a perfect storm because the, you have religious collectivism and political collectivism kind of kind of coming uh, kind of coming together so do you yeah. think Zeps, yeah go on <laughs> yeah i mean i like you're i think you're describing a lot of what takes place i mean there's no question that the ugliness that um, that surfaces at at sports games uh is remarkable i mean in in many parts of the world you ha in the past and maybe still you'll see people doing like uh like animal sounds when a black player has the soccer ball or foot the football as as you guys falsely call it um and and you know that's a fascinating issue of itself but yeah i mean i i do, again i mean i do think that anti-semitism and racism are or anti-israel or anti-america anti-western conviction tends to really be a consequence it's a it's a symptom of the problem ultimately uh, all roads lead to the fundamentals of philosophy. Um, by the way, like somebody could call me anti-Israel in that I'm very critical of Israel, but not for the same reasons. Uh, I think Israel is not individualistic enough. It's still, it, it, has, uh, it has every reason to uh, defend itself from people far less civilized or to defend itself from anyone. Um, but like, it's not nearly individualistic enough. It's not um, capitalistic enough. And ultimately, Israel, I, my view of Israel is that they ought to um, realize that the solution to anti-Semitism is individualism. So this uh, sort of tribalism, whether it's based on a religious uh, common ground or like an ethnic heritage, it's just it's a losing strategy long term. It does. It, and you can see that you can see it, it, that Israel was susceptible to nihilistic intellectuals that made Israel hate itself and basically uh, live under rocket fire for the foreseeable future uh, and, and to apologize anytime they do fire back. So um, Israel needs to ultimately realize that individualism was the answer and then to have a sort of renaissance, if you like, to realize that Greece was right all along. Oh, you like that, that Greece were right all along and that uh, Greece that the reason Israel is hated today is because they're Greek. And what I mean is, is because they brought Western influence into this desolate region. And when Israelis realize that, they will become capitalist, they will become objectivist, they will become, you know, whatever, enlightenment thinkers. And once they go through that transformation, in my opinion, this is a radical view, but they can really open their borders and kind of let go of the Jewish identity altogether because that's not the solution to anti-Semitism. It's not a response. To, it's not a winning strategy in response. Really, the, the solution always was individualism. So uh, people, you know, people, I piss off people on all sides of this issue. When I say I would be fine with Israel changing their name to Palestine, but I would also be fine with the entire Middle East being annexed by Israel. I'm fine with both of those things. As long as the, uh, the political system is capitalism and as long as the intellectual trend is you know, enlightenment individualism in its final stage, which is Ayn Rand's objectivism. And because people won't understand when you say, you know, some people who don't want to understand, they will say, oh, so when you say this, you mean people will be free to live their lives as they want without breaking anyone's rights. So you've, you've thrown so many things on the table, which means we should have probably more shows on the issue of Israel. But I will... I will Something you said is the, almost the self-hatred of Israel for itself. 
because of the dominant ideology. And that's my usual reply to some anti-Semites, as long as you can hold a rational discussion with them. So they say, for example, that all this, what they call the, gener the degeneracy of the, the West and the decline of the West is like, you know, it's, it's controlled by Zionists or whatever. The number one victim of this moral relativism, I'm afraid, will be Israel itself. Because this idea that, well, you know, no one is really good. We are not sure whether we are right. And, and, and maybe we are wrong because you should always support, support the, the, the weaker side. By the way, I think, I think it's, in Elan, it's one of Elan Zurno's book. I think it's in his book, uh, What Justice Demands. But because I'm not in the UK where I have it, I couldn't check. So he says something very interesting. Supporting Palestine just because they're the weaker side is morally, morally makes no sense. Because, for example, when you have a group, and I'm not saying that Palestinians are this, that's a different discussion. When you have, for example, a group of gangsters going against the government, the gangsters are the, quote, underdog. That doesn't mean they require our support. When you have a cult of crazy people doing, like, human sacrifices and they are against the federal government, they are the underdog. That doesn't mean anything. So this very powerful sentiment, specifically in Greece, that we need to support Palestine because they're the weaker side, I think this is a big problem. And this is also the case within Israel. So for, for, for reasons that, uh, like for sociological reasons, I follow the Israeli Defense Forces account on Instagram. And you know, all the time they have this politically correct kind of stuff, which is, Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic that the Israeli army is open, you know, to people of all genders and sexual orientation doesn't play a role. But my only issue with this is it's almost as if, as if saying this is what gives us a moral status. Not that we are defending a rights uh, respecting country. But let me, let me get back to, to our original topic. So we started by discussing what I would call hard antisemitism. Now let's go to Israel in more nuanced terms in popular culture. And here's the thing that happens with Israel. It has a fascinating story, history, in terms of entertainment value. So Hollywood loves Israel. So the Embede, for example, operation with Yoni Netanyahu and, and, and the release of these hostages, which in my mind, it's the biggest, the most impressive operation in the history of impressive operations. Or the, what's the name of the guy? Uh, the, the Ellie Cohen spy, which was recently a Netflix TV series, or the, or, or the capability and the skill of Mossad. But here's the interesting thing. Always, always they try to play it. Well, there are two sides here. So like, let's say in the film, you get an insight on what Yoni Netanyahu is thinking, but also you get an insight on the terrorists. It's like, you know, he's also stressed. He's also a human being. Or with the Eli Cohen TV series, it's like, well, Israel, you know, wasn't welcome to us. And the Mossad admin, admin people are, look, are, you know, they're like the bad guys. And the, the, the most obvious example is the TV series Mossad on Mossad, which is on Netflix, which I think is an Israeli production. And then you see people interviewing Mossad's, uh, people who work in Mossad or who have worked in the past. And they asked them very aggressive questions, like, do you realize that you were also a killer? Or how do you feel when you kill someone? Now, this someone might have been like a terrorist or a Nazi war criminal, but the idea is, oh, no one is perfect here. So anyway, I threw too much on the table. 
uh, I will let you roll for as long there's as you a want. Lot, there's a lot there, but I want to mention the, ID, the IDF Twitter account uh, really pisses me off because they think their job is to make fun of the enemy and to gloat about like that they tracked down one terrorist and killed him somewhere. It's absolutely pathetic. Your job as a military is not to engage in PR at all. Your job as a military is to look like you're out of your freaking mind and that any amount of aggression will be met with a disproportionate response. That is how a free country needs to have its self-defense policy be perceived. Um, not for them to brag about how they managed to infiltrate and, and assassinate one terrorist while making sure not to cause any collateral damage. Um, I mean, there's a lot you said there. Um, what, what are we talking about? There's, um, I mean, look, again, the, 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 the way people look at any sort of um, conflict, yeah, they look at, well, which side is weaker? They must be right. And anytime uh, a perceived oppressed group is violent, it could only be that they're reacting to oppression. It can't, they can't possibly be motivated by what they believe. They can't possibly be motivated by their philosophical beliefs or you know, religious or whatever it is. So, I mean, we see it in America. We see it everywhere in the world. The Western intellectuals, they cannot contemplate that ideas are the motor of history. They cannot un contemplate that uh, there's something philosophically wrong when people are trying to destroy a, a free country. So the Palestinians, by that standard, can only be resisting aggression. It's never conceivable that they're actually looking to destroy Israel for the sake of destroying Israel for its virtues, for its liberty, for its individualism. They should be trying to, uh, you know, if we, if we switch over to the individualistic model, if we look, switch over to the Western Enlightenment model, then we look at the Palestinians, then we should tell the Palestinians, listen, your life has not been easy, but if you're actually interested in the good life, calm down, and try to emulate Israel, try to build and try to chill. That needs to be what the world, and that's that used to be what the world told um, the Arab world. You know, hey, look, you got this new kind of free Western country here building stuff. Why don't you try to be more like them? But as soon as Israel uh, began to demonstrate strength in 1967 and after, uh, Israel then became the bad guy. Uh, it's very Marxist, I think, the way that People think uh, anytime some a, a, an oppressed group is being violent, it, it's because they're oppressed, but it's not because of their philosophical beliefs. What the Palestinians need is, you know, is individualism in politics, but and they need um, philosophy. They need they need to actually want a good life for each of them individually. When given uh, elections, they elected you know Hamas in one part of the Palestinian ter uh, territories and you know, Abbas, which is Yasser Arafat's successor, in my understanding, and they're both permanently in power, both of those elected uh, parties, there's no, there's not going to be another election. So, um, and, but let me again remind you that the prop, the ultimate problem here, Israel's problem is Israel, just like America's problem is America, just like Greece's problem is Greece, and England's problem is England, it's their own intellectuals, that are handicapping themselves, their own intellectuals that are rejecting reason and have been rejecting in reason in its individualistic observational form for centuries. And that is a losing strategy if you actually want to live on earth. So not only are you going to cripple yourself economically and psychologically, but when you're being attacked by 
let's just say barbarians, the way they behave, you're being attacked by barbarians. You're not going to have the moral confidence to defend yourself. So today, I, I was hoping mostly to talk about the culture and like Netflix series and stuff. Yeah. But it shows that this is such a big topic that includes so many issues. And I have to say, in my political, let's say, journey, the strong, the, the, the hardest moment was when I realized how wrong I was on the Israeli-Arab conflict. Wrong in terms of missing the facts, not even knowing the very basic facts. Like, for example, who attacked whom in 48? Who attacked whom in, in Yom Kippur? Who attacked... So, anyway, that's... Uh, I'm just saying, so, quite often, that's... It's, it's important to, to start with the facts, because once you read the facts, then you can interpret it. But my regrets with this issue is that most times we never even bother to, to, to read the fact. Just because, as you said, the fact that one side is powerful, by the way, it's not really powerful when you have, when you're surrounded by people who quite often literally have in their constitution that our aim is to throw you, to basically to, to destroy you. Anyway, we A went slightly off topic. Let, yeah, me, let me say, let me just finish, uh, wrap it up here. A lot of people who you would ask, they would say, well, no, Israel, they're not surrounded by enemies. The Israel is creating enemies and they're controlling the United States and they're, you know, sinking American ships and controlling Congress. And, and they did 9-11 and they would say the Holocaust itself was a hoax in order for Israel to get a state. But even if all of that were conceivably true, even so, what would be the solution? The solution would be individualism, capitalism, reason, ultimately all roads lead to the fundamentals of philosophy. And if you're concerned with the life of the individual, if you yourself want a good life, then you need to see um, clearly which, which, uh, which side of that conflict are the good guys relative to the ones who are attacking them. And because you, it's what you said, if you care about Palestinians, not as a group, but as individual Palestinians who really are among the victims of all this, then you should be even fiercer in criticizing, for example, the Palestinian leadership and the sanction they got from like the Greek governments and all that. Anyway, we're running off time. Uh, there's no question that we're going to have more shows on the wider issue of Israel and antisemitism because we merely touched the surface. Raga, thank you very much and see you soon. See you soon.